This podcast contains content that might be disturbing to some listeners. Please read the episode description before listening. This incident was a shock in Spanish society from the very beginning. And at the time, six years ago, uh, no one could imagine uh, that it will change the recent history of Spain. It was the society that put in the center the relevance of sexual consent. Sex without consent is rape. Yet, according to the NGO Amnesty International, in Europe, only 13 countries feature laws that define rape in terms of the absence of consent. The latest country adopting such a definition of rape is Spain, where, on the 25th of August 2022, the National Congress approved the so-called Only Yes Means Yes law. The journey for the approval of this law began six years ago, after a Spanish court ruled that five young men raping an 18-years-old girl in the city of Pamplona was only an instance of sexual abuse. That case, also known as La Manada case, or internationally as a Wolfpack case, literally shocked Spain. Today on Europe Talks Back, the story of the La Manada case and the approval of the Spanish only yes means yes law. We'll be right back. Maria Dios is the new editor of Europe Talks Back. Maria comes from Spain and has followed the La Manada case from its beginning. In this special episode, whereby we introduce Maria to you, she tells us the story of the La Manada case, or Wolfpack case. So, this is me speaking to our new editor, Maria Dios. So, Maria, tell us what the Wolfpack case is all about. So... It all started the first night of the running of the Wolf Festival in July 2016. This is like a traditional and massive party that happens every summer in Pamplona. So this is a festivity where people basically run in front of a lot of bulls trying to not get hurt. But apart from that, there are hundreds of people that go there only to have fun, to drink and to dance in the streets. So it was the victim of La Manada case, an 18 years old girl that at some point in night was approached by a group of five men. She was alone. And according to what she later told the police, uh, this gang of men in their mid twenties offered to walk her to her car but instead, they pushed her against a wall and told her to Shabbat and stole her phone. And one by one, they raped her. The woman was later found uh, hugging her own body, lying on the ground and crying in a clear state of agony. And she went to the police who arrested the five men the next day. The trial that began right after this uh, has been called La Manada Case. So this incident was a shock in Spanish society from the very beginning. And at the time, six years ago, uh, no one could imagine that it will change the recent history of Spain. So originally, the Wolfpack case is called La Manada in Spain, which is a quite literal translation. But how come this name? So La Manada was the name of a WhatsApp group that these five men had. They are originally from Sevilla, and they went to Pamplona to 
have fun and apparently to rape. So this happens on a night of July 2016, right? This girl goes to the police and then what happens? So the trial began. It went three times to court. Um, the first one uh, was at Navarra Provincial Court that happened in April 2018. And much of the trial was built around some videos that the aggressors took uh, when they were raping this girl. So the videos showed the woman in a passive role with her eyes closed and surrounded by the five men uh, that are taking turns to rape her without using any condoms. And the men's lawyer said that this passive role was an evidence that proved that she gave consent only because she didn't say no. So how does this trial end? So following this, more or less this argument, the court didn't see any violence or intimidation. Um, so the men were acquitted of sexual aggression, which is a charge that in Spain included uh, the rape. And instead they were convicted of the lesser charge of sexual abuse and they were sentenced just to nine years in prison in April 2018. So what was the reaction after the result of this first trial? And did the protest start only after this first trial or also before? There were people in the streets in Pamplona following that the city hall called people to be there and express support to the victim. But it was after the first verdict that uh, women and tens of thousands of people in Spain, not only in the main cities like Madrid, Barcelona, or even Pamplona, but it happens in all the regions, in many, many cities more that were smaller, um, that people took the streets to protest. And they were holding signs Uh, claiming that it was not sexual abuse, it was rape. And I remember women were yelling, sister, I believe you, and no means no. So this happened after the first verdict. But obviously the lawyer of the victim appealed and it went again to the court, but in this case went to the High Court of Justice of Navarra. And in December 2018, uh, the court said again, it wasn't rape, it was just sexual abuse. And again, I guess after the second verdict, a lot of protests took place, right? Yes, because the Spanish society couldn't understand how it wasn't considered by the justice as a rape. I remember that uh, we were all questioning what is the reaction that women have to have for a judge to believe in them? Um, how much do you need to fight your aggressor, even if it risks your life and you end up being killed? So it made no sense. And again, women took the streets. Um, there were several protests and they yelled again that it was not sexual abuse. It was raped. But I think it was following this second verdict that the no means no started to change a little bit. And instead, it started to be only yes mean yes. And it was the society that put in the center the relevance of sexual consent. And after the second trial and verdict, we have another appeal. 
Yes, the last uh, resource that you have in Spanish justice. So the case ended at the Spanish Supreme Court, which made a um, historical decision and everything changed. So La Manada case was not a sexual abuse anymore, but gang rape. The justice was finally at the level of what the society and the feminist movement was demanding. And the Supreme Court raised from nine to 15 years the time in prison for the five uh, men. Um, the names were Jose Angel Prenda, Alfonso Jesús Cabezuelo, Angel Boza, Antonio Manuel Guerrero, and Jesús Escudero. So at this point, justice is made. The judges declare it was rape, it was a gang rape. And then the process starts for the draft law. So following this verdict, uh, a lot of experts in justice uh, start to claim that a change in the penal code was needed and that it was important to put in the center women's consent. And um, after that, the government changed and it is... January 2020, a coalition between the Socialist Party and Unidas Podemos. And at that time, they agreed to draft a new law that was recently approved after two years. So this new law publicly takes the name of only yes means yes law. Do you believe that this law would have been approved without the La Manada case? There were several cases, but I think that this was so clear that it was raped, and even though two different courts didn't believe in this, and at the time a woman needed to prove that she was intimidated, I think it will happen with time, but this accelerated the whole movement. Last but not least, how did the victim of La Manada case react to the approval of the only yes means yes law? I write down what the victim of La Manada case uh, declared in an interview uh, given to El País. I think it's worth it that we can mention that. The journalist asked about the only yes mean yes law, and she said that it's not her law, it's every woman's law. So let's go with it. Thank you very much, Maria, and welcome to Europe Talks Back. You're welcome. We'll be right back. Carmen Miquela Costa is a lawyer and legal advisor specializing in women's human rights. She's currently based in Madrid and is responsible for research and policy at Amnesty International Spanish Section, managing the gender justice portfolio. She's also a professor at the Instituto de Empresa. So this is me speaking to Carmen Miquela Costa. Carmen, we brought you in as an expert and as a representative of Amnesty International to discuss what the yes means yes law in Spain is about. Now, literally, this law is translated in English with Spanish Integral Guarantee of Sexual Freedom Law, but commonly it's known as yes means yes law. Can you explain to our audience what this means? Sure. Thank you for inviting me. The law uh, is very comprehensive. It's about addressing the different uh, steps that a sexual violence victim goes uh, about and also preventing the sexual violence from happening. So we have preventive measures. We have awareness raising, training. Those are very important, especially for the judiciary, forensic teams, the police. 
and then improving the prosecution with specialized measures and comprehensive specialized measures for victims. For example, crisis centers, 24 hours. Then we have psychological counseling services as well. And then it goes about changing different laws to provide uh, economic aid, assistance, and the amendment of, of definition of consent in the criminal code and many, many others. So maybe I think a good point would be to start to explain what the situation was before this law and how it changed. So this came about uh, basically when we've realized the women's movement, the human rights movement, the government, that first of all, there is no specialized measures to address uh, sexual violence. Those are very much needed because we've seen especially obstacles for sexual violence victims. And one of them, the most important ones are around the credibility and also the whole issue with uh, prejudices or stereotypes against the victims from, um, you know, so-called you are not the uh, stereotypical victim to you had it coming, the way you were dressing, the way you were acting uh, was uh, kind of like a black check of consent. So this, these whole issues were happening in Spain and are still happening, especially uh, when these cases go to the police and then uh, go to the judicial system. So this law is trying to address most of these issues. Of course, it's going to be an issue of implementing, adequately implementing the law. But this is where we are now as we speak. And we have also this so-called wolf Pack case, the gang rape in uh, Pamplona, and then how the women's movement and human rights movement were claiming that, that uh, you know, it was enough because this case had to go up to the Supreme Court to realize that everything is rigged uh, in terms of obstacles and not believing the victim. So does this law change the burden of proof? And is it as opposition claims the law, that this act is prejudicial against men? No, <laughs> that is incorrect. And that's one of the myths around this law. So we have, first of all, and uh, apologies, I should have mentioned this, we have this Istanbul Convention, the Council of Europe Convention on Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence. It entered into force in Spain eight years ago. So this also requires a whole set of measures to implement the convention. So One of those is actually that sexual violence needs to be defined as non-consensual um, acts. And this is also for international standards, also the UN and international criminal law. Now, the issue is that we have a definition of consent that we didn't have before. And this created issues in the interpretation of the judiciary, especially if the judiciary is contaminated with prejudices against the victim, not believing the victim or actually asking her over and over again in a re-traumatizing procedure if she really said no did she resist how did she resist so the burden of proof doesn't shift that's uh, one of the core principles of uh, criminal law it couldn't change and the jurisprudence around it is very clear now what this law has done is just define consent so now for judges hopefully it's more clear that you don't need to prove that you resisted or that you said no over and over again or that nothing you did could be interpreted as as i was saying a black check on consent because consent is is something dynamic it's not something static it's not something that maybe i take a drink with you but then you know later i don't want a second drink right but no it doesn't shift the burden of proof at all 
So how did we get to this point? In the first part of this podcast, we have talked about the so-called internationally translated into Wolfpack case. Um, but more than that, probably there are other things that need to be mentioned, right? Well, even before that, Spain has um, uh, this comprehensive law against gender-based violence understood as intimate partner violence or, you know, um, in, a, in a relationship, right? And that's, that's it. But it is quite comprehensive and quite new in terms of the international arena. This was back in 2004. So we come from there, but then more and more we've realized that sexual violence victims were not included. Right. And they also needed to be seen, to be protected and to have specialized measures. Then uh, we have the Istanbul Convention, as I was saying, in 2014. And then we have the unfortunate gang rape case and many others. So we have all this trajectory and then we have a government that is willing to address these issues. So finally, the Ministry of Equality came up with the proposed bill and, you know, a lot of comments, a lot of criticisms as well. And then hopefully it will enter into force very soon. Spain has been an incredibly active country over the past two decades or maybe, you know, I would say over the past 15 years for its social movements, I believe. And one of those probably is uh, one, you know, linked to women's rights. So I wanted to ask you, how important was it to have such a movement active in the country, to have this law coming up? Yeah, I think it is one of the critical critical points to this law coming about. I mean, how women, the women's movement, and especially the younger generations, understanding that mobilizing, uh, going to the streets, and not letting go of the importance of the issue is critical. I think it's been uh, very important. Also, the human rights organizations, such as Amnesty and others, we've been adding from our different places to these efforts, but definitely the women's uh, movement in Spain has been key and also uh, with this connection to the coalition government kind of like responding to that or using that uh, momentum to come up with the law. Listen, how does the current law which was approved in Spain compare to other countries in Europe? I think 14 countries now have a consent-based law, but this has been a tide that has been changing very recently, and Amnesty has been campaigning for this. However, I would like to put this in context, because just changing, as I was saying, the definition of consent or, or putting putting it at the center of the law, it is important. However, we are talking about a lot of other set of issues, how you address the victim's rights and needs how you make them make them feel listened to and how you believe them and inform them of their rights so that they decide what's best for them. And then the judiciary, the police, the prosecutors, even the lawyers are trained accordingly. And this is much more than just changing, you know, the consent-based definition, which is important. In Spain, there has been also resistance to this law. And, you know, more than 100 deputies have not, you know, voted in favor of the law when it came to approve it officially. And uh, I think three persons or deputies actually um, even abstained from voting on, on, on such a fundamental text. So, which connects us again to the point of what will happen and the implementation of it maybe at a certain point. But can you give us a bit an idea of how the political debate around this issue was in the country um, and why also there has been a strong opposition? if it's a strong opposition, actually, 
against this law? I mean, gender justice issues are always an issue for contentious conflicts and are always a battleground. Sexual and reproductive rights are also an example, and this was no exception. So when one government makes a certain issue, their marketing flag, let's say, and then the other, the opposition is always going to be there to fight against that, no matter what it is. But when talking about women's rights, it's always the case that it's more antagonized. And as you know, there's this issue around gender ideology. So yeah, there is a whole movement of backlash questioning core issues such as comprehensive sexuality education, which are fundamental rights. So there's this whole connection with other issues, but also to just make it a battleground just because, because that's that's what political parties do, right? But of course, each of them using for their own narratives. You mentioned a couple of times, it's not yet implemented. Uh, let's pay attention. I mean, we have approved the law, but, you know, so I think this points to the fact that there is a certain amount of still things that need to be done. How do you see the next months? You know, sometimes in the news outlets, in the narratives, uh, this law has been approved 22 years ago. From the first moment that we had a first proposal of bill, there was you know, it was already approved. So we have to be careful. And I insist in that because because sometimes, you know, we think that we already have the law uh, enter into force and that's, that's not true. So in Spain, how it works is that first you need to publish it in the official bulletin. After that, then you have this case, the law says 30 days before it enters into force. So, And after that, because this law is very comprehensive, it also amends many other laws, not only the criminal code, but the criminal proceeding law, also labor codes. It touches many because it, it addresses victims' rights and, and assistance and economic aid to victims. And um, yeah, as I was saying, training of judges as well. So it amends so many laws that we need to understand how everything's going to be changed in those different sectors and for the different legal operators to understand that. Now, in Spain, we also have this semi-federal state. We have 17 uh, regions that had a lot of jurisdiction. I mean, they have jurisdiction on, say, social services, medical assistance, some justice issues. So even some have police uh, jurisdiction. So it's going to be also another step to coordinate how this is implemented in the different regions without stepping into their jurisdiction because they also have 17 different gender-based violence laws. Carmen, thanks a lot for these insights. It helped us a lot in better understanding the whole only yes means yes law. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. We'll be right back. You can follow the work of the Spanish section of Amnesty International on Twitter at Amnistia España. That's A-M-N-I-S-T-I-A-E-S-P-A-N-A. And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Europe Talks Back is Antoine Lheureux. Sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editorial background research and script writing by Maria Dioche. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kosberg. Promotion and marketing by Katrin Scapedas. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci. We'll be back next Thursday.